The following programme is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. This is The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you with thanks to TierlawnFarmLife.com. Uh, you're very welcome to The Farm Show. Uh, it's Farm Safety Week, so we're going to uh, give a fair deal of attention to the subject over the course of the next hour, we'll be talking about subjects as diverse as cattle handling and uh, tree felling. And uh, elsewhere, of course, we'll have our March reports. We'll hear about a farmer rally happening in Kilkenny tomorrow evening. Uh, but first, uh, I'm joined on the phone by Martin Hayden, TD, Minister of State at Department of Agriculture with special responsibility uh, for farm safety. Minister Hayden, it's been Farm Safety Week. We want to highlight it here on the Farm Show. Recent additional financing for safety. Very welcome. Yes, Matt. Um, this year I'm delighted to be able to support through my funding in the Department of Agriculture for Farm Safety, the National Farm Safety Measure for 2023, which is a grant aid scheme that farmers can avail of for to replace PTO covers, the plastic covers that are in many instances broken or defective or not working uh, appropriately. Uh, as well as uh, helmets for quad bikes, because as farmers will be aware from November this year, it's becoming legally mandatory for quad bike owners to have helmets, protective PPE, and also to undertake uh, safety training in terms of the use of quad bikes. So this is an opportunity. You know, I'm very mindful that PTO shafts are, are, are by, their da- by their nature, really, really dangerous. They account for an awful lot of incidents that happen on our farms, and an awful lot of those instances are preventative and so many on our farms have the plastic covers that are just not working right. We put it on the long finger getting around to changing them because we never think that an incident will happen to us. And when you meet victims of, of these incidents, they all say, if only I had my time again to change that cover. There is no excuse now. There's a 60% grant there towards the cost of the PTO cover up to a, a, a maximum cost of €100 Euro for a, a cover. And you can get up to four of them covered under the grant as well as up to two helmets for quad bikes. So farmers who pay, make their this payment uh, during the year just need to log on to agfood.ie to have an expression of interest and that grant scheme is open until September. Yeah, very important that farmers realise that it's a, a time-limited offer, if if I can put it that way, that people need to apply quite quickly because September doesn't be long coming around. But Minister, those are the kind of targeted initiatives that will have an effect because it, it, it highlights two areas where an awful lot of accidents have been uh, taking place and in terms of l- looking at the overall impact of mandatory implementation of, of safety measures allied to financial supports to help farmers along. Exactly. So what I have done in the Department of Agriculture, we, we could spend a long time here talking about every individual grant scheme and measure and support and initiative that I've been involved with, working with other partners across uh, the agriculture sector in the HSA uh, over the last three years since I've been in this role. And each of them on their own are very important, like the simulators, uh, the machinery simulators that I funded last year to have in all of our agricultural colleges around the country for young farmers training and the use of these. This year, we, I've invested in bovine simulators. Um, where people get that experience as well, from calving a cow to injecting and all the rest, and animal handling being a significant cause of, of significant injury uh, among farmers. But in some ways that gets in on individual details, like the farm safety measure with the PTO covers and stuff. And I think to step back, it's just good to say what my overall strategy here is. The first thing we have to do, and my first point here of approach, is to raise awareness with farmers that we have an unhealthy attitude to risk. And I say this as a farmer myself, 
born and raised in a farm in Kildare, still actively farming with my wife at home and our kids. Um, we have a bad attitude to risk in, in agriculture and it's worse than most other professions. And that's why our profession is the most dangerous in all of the country. And if we can raise awareness that we can reduce the risk of things happening to us badly on our farm by addressing risk, by identifying it and then mitigating it. So what I've done is raise awareness and provide training across you know, if you look at the new cap, we now have uh, training through Acres, through the new Skep Beef Scheme, TAMS, and Knowledge Transfer. So that element of getting farmers' eyes open to the hazards that are on our farm, much more so, is a key first step. The second step, then, is providing the investment support to support farmers to make those changes. I'm delighted to say that over 8,000 farmers have availed of the farm safety measures under TAMS 3 in the first tranche that opened up there. That's really encouraging. And for other farmers who haven't looked at that, as future tranches open, to be aware the amount of new areas covered under TAMS for farm safety investment under the higher 60% rate is really significant. A lot of them around animal handling and the likes. So that's the investment piece to support when you identify the hazard and the risk. How do you reduce it? Give it a financial support to do that. And then the third part is partnering with the likes of the IFA and Farm Safety Week, with the likes of Safety Partnership and the HSA, and then all of the many great community groups and charities like Embrace and others who do such great work as well. Minister, could I suggest, and this is something I want to discuss with the panel as well later on, that the amount of hassle and frustration and pressures that farmers in general are under from and then a, a plethora of reasons, even criticism about their perceived inactions in relation to, to, to climate mitigation measures, that all these are adding up to producing a very pressurized situation for farmers, which will inevitably raise risk factors. Yes, absolutely. And we know what those factors are. And we know that farmers take criticism very personally. And that's understandable when they hear urban-based media pretty uninformed about the steps they've taken to date in terms of applying new sciences like multi-species swords or low emission story spread and use of protected urea. We're on a journey. And, you know, I think there's great heart to be taken by farmers in the recent EPA emission figures that show we reversed the trend in terms of emissions. And I believe we can continue to do that. And I believe we will do that in terms of water quality as well with the measures we're taking here. And that will have a very changed narrative in the coming months and, and years in terms of that national debate, when agriculture will be leading the way as one of the sectors doing a lot in terms of reducing our emission profile. But Matt, none of that is an excuse. Look, we can have excuses, but the fact is we have a bad attitude to risk in farming. We wear close calls and near misses as a badge of honour, nearly, and we kind of accept them as a given, and they don't have to be a given, and statistically it's proven if we get serious about farm safety, if we reduce the amount of near misses and close calls on our farm, we will reduce the amount of fatal incidents that happen and life-changing injuries as well. Minister, just whilst I have the opportunity, that Primetime Investigates programme around calf welfare and live exports and so on, it did highlight a problem, but most farmers would say, that's, that's terrible, that shouldn't be happening. But there are regulations in place, and if a minority deviate from, from, from those regulations, well, I don't think the brush should paint all farmers in that light. Absolutely not. And I think from a farmer's perspective, it was the most frustrating element of the prime time program. It was the portrayal of this practice as common practice. I honestly don't believe that's the case. So for the 1% that do act wrong and don't treat animals right, we have very strong animal welfare views. And I think I, like the vast majority of farmers, were appalled at some of those things we saw in that program. And the full rigors of the law will and should be brought to bear on people who don't do things right, because that 
damages all of our reputation. It damages everything that we do that we're so proud of in the agricultural sphere. And I have no problem in saying that I would be, uh, you know, the full rigors of the law come against those who don't act in this regard because that's to protect the good name of the 99% of farmers who do everything right, who care for our animals, uh, who care for our countryside and, and our nature as well. Finally, Minister, not sure if you've had an invitation from IFA, but they're holding a, a rally, a mass rally tomorrow evening in Kilkenny in reference to the huge problems that are turning up now because of the potential reduction in the nitrates derogation allied to the cow banding, which has already been introduced, which is really damaging all the sectors. The tillage farmers are, are looking at reduced amounts of land being available to lease because dairy farmers are uh, having to lease land that they really don't want. Uh, can, can you understand the implications of this? Oh, I absolutely do. And, and government doesn't underestimate the importance of the derogation for the agricultural system. That's why we fight so hard for its renewal every time it comes up in Brussels. And the last time was one of the most difficult set of negotiations that we went through. So I doubt, Matt, there's very many farmers who are listening to this program now who really remember the day that, you know, that derogation was approved for us uh, again uh, on renewal. But that was the 17th of March. 2022. And the reason I don't think farmers really remember that date as a very important date. I remember being very ready of that day when I got word. But farmers don't because they kind of take it for granted. They take for granted that our starting point is 250. And it's not. Our starting point is 170. And we have this very important exception to the rule that Europe grant us. <clears throat> and for that, we have to meet certain conditions that Europe set down. We're the only remaining country to have it at 250. Denmark uh, have it, but their maximum is 230. And they have to go and seek renewal as well. Holland Presently have it, but are, will not be getting a second, another one. They've been told they're not getting another one. So they're in their last derogation. So by the time we go to renew this and to negotiate again in 2025, we could be the only country in Europe left to have this, something that many other regions will give anything for. And I'd be the first to say that our water quality by European standards is good, but the trend is declining. It's been going in the wrong direction. And just like we've managed to work with farmers to turn around the trend and emissions and get them into a positive space, I believe we will do the same in terms of the measures we are taking in our water quality. But And I totally understand where farmers say we need more time for the measures that have been uh, adopted to take in place. But Europe will look at this, that we're in our fourth derogation, and that if water quality continues to decline, then it weakens the argument for them, giving us uh, that derogation again. So what I would say to you is <clears throat> I, I wouldn't be particularly happy about the a conditionality that was in this midterm review that we had to have a situation where most of the country will go to 220 next year. But all of this was about giving ourselves the best chance to hold on to this derogation longer term and beyond 2025 review or the next set of negotiations. And that's my focus because as difficult and as challenging it is, not just for the dairy sector, but as you outlined, the other industry, the other sectors and enterprises that are impacted by dairy farmers needing more land if they're not going to change livestock numbers, then Obviously, I understand that challenge, but the challenge of 220 is nowhere near what a challenge would be of us having to, for the whole country to go to 170 overnight. And that's something we have to avoid at all costs. And that's what government is working towards. And that was uh, Minister Martin Hayden uh, speaking from his car parked up, I assure you, uh, but somewhere between Kildare Street and uh, Kildare Town, I'd imagine. Uh, anyway, a lot of uh, talking points from he, uh, the conversation I had with the Minister there. I'm joined in studio by the aforementioned uh, panel, uh, Jim Mulhall, Chairman of Kilkenny IFA, and Tom Began, uh wearing his current hat as a risk management consultant, uh, formerly uh, head of the Health and Safety Authority. So so you're both very welcome into studio, gentlemen. 
Tom, uh, risk, and I heard the minister say there that uh, we take inordinate risks in the farming community. I'm, I'm not awfully sure that we recognise what we do or those actions as risky, but ultimately the figures speak for themselves. It's the riskiest, uh, the most dangerous uh, workplace in, in, in the economy. Thanks, Matt, for having me on the show. Um, yeah, risk is an interesting concept, actually, because it depends on a lot of things. It depends on our perception. It depends on our experience. It depends on a lot of issues that we're just starting to talk about in Ireland now, and farming is no different, that, you know, we're all under pressure from different angles. Um, anyone who has any interest in farming would know that there are economic challenges and there are many other challenges. A lot of them are identified there by the minister. So farmers are, are human beings and they have their families and their kids. So I know of no farmer and I live in a farming area that uh, is taking undue risks. Um, I see them work very, very safely. I see them putting huge efforts in. Um, I do from time to time see them perhaps having younger workers, which a lot of sectors in the Irish economy have now. And I think we probably have to do a little bit of more work in preparing, particularly school leavers, so that when they're in their 16 and 17 years of age and they're trying to make a few pounds and things are, are busy in agriculture as they are now and with our weather to and, and fro and we have to make the best opportunity we have with the weather, then all hands are on deck and everybody is looking for the same thing at the same time. So that creates other pressure. So I think from my perspective and from what I've seen, we have to see this in the round and we have to start working better with farmers in this instance than perhaps we have in the past. I think we have, and I come from this profession, made things too complicated. I think we have a focus on paper. Um, and, and paper, I'm not saying you don't have a record. Of course you have to have a record. And farmers are very, very, very well up on this from the quality assurance and the BIA programme and all that. So that, that, there's nothing new in that. But unrealistic and unnecessary paper that says, if I write this out, then I'm OK. I'm trying to get the message across to farmers. It's about what we do and how we do it is the issue. And I think that farmers, certainly it's difficult. Um, you know, there was 26 people killed in 2022. There were 38 killed in 2021, generally across the, the, the sector. In farming, had 12 deaths in 2022 and 10 the previous year. The good news from where we live in Carlow Kilkenny is that nobody lost their life in any sector in Carlow Kilkenny in 2022. So... I, I always like to focus certainly on the good news while I, uh, acknowledging the reality of where we are right now. Absolutely. And looking at that specific point, where we are right now and how we can improve from here on, uh, and not aspirational, mm. but uh, uh, transactional in terms of implementing methodologies to reduce uh, risk and to reduce ultimately accidents. Compare and contrast, Tom, the situation in the construction industry 30, 40 years ago, it was a shocking dangerous place, Correct. full of accidents. Could I suggest that a sledgehammer in terms of regulations was taken to the sector and it worked? Absolutely, that's one part of it. The other interesting part of it is, and it's starting to emerge in some of the research that's coming out now, is that construction went on the floor like a lot of places in the, in the past, in the not so distant past and around the table we're at the age group we remember it well. But as the construction is built up, it's tended to start with the big projects so the intels, the data centres now are coming. So, and those as clients were specifying that this shall be built and it shall be built without people getting hurt. And therefore then contractors had to pre-qualify and say, I can do this job and I can do it safely. So that's a started there. I'm starting to see uh, a lot of changes in farming uh, because farmers um, are buying into this 
maybe slowly, maybe too slowly. Maybe because of reasons that were identified by the Minister, and I'm sure Jim will identify them now, the realities of trying to farm in a complex environment, in a regulatory overburdened sector, some would say, is putting pressure on farmers that they get distracted. They have good intentions. They get up in the morning, they start to tractor, they milk their cows, they till their crops, whatever they do, they have good intentions, but they get distracted or other things take over from them. And that's the piece we have to find ways with modern technology. Most tractors now have some sort of a computer in their front. We can maybe explore ways in which that can give a message, just to remind guys. It's like when you start your car, unless you put on the seatbelt, the ding, ding will drive you mad. So what is it that will just give me that reminder that says, refocus, Tom? You're, you're, you're not concentrating or whatever it might be and I think there's a lot of work going on in the schools and the Minister mentioned the Farm Safety Partnership there's an enormous amount of, of a partnership going on between the IFA farm families and a whole lot of other non-for-profit organisations uh, that I think we, Matt we will see uh, an improvement in that but we have to realise that farmers are no different than any other sector uh, they're under pressures they're human beings they're under those pressures, they have debt problems, they have mortgage problems, they have kids trying to get school or a kid to have to leave to, to go to college, they may have someone sick, they may have a lot of debt, they might have had a good year last year, this year isn't looking so good. So all those pressures come to bay and we're human beings and we have to respect that and we have to find ways in which we nudge them into a mindset that they'll stay safe. And I also say to farmers sometimes, the best communication board in most farm family homes is the fridge door. Is there something on that that when I'm going out wrong that reminds me? Is there something in the parlour? Is there something in the cab? What is it that can, if I look, I'll think about it. Or put something in my phone. We all have calendars in our phone that dings me to say, at a certain time, am I? You know, what if it happens to me? And am I doing enough to prevent that? Okay, listen, we're going to continue this conversation. Better take an ad break first. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. We resume our conversation about farm safety and just off air we were discussing the fact that this will hit raw nerves with people who have been personally exposed to tragedies uh, on, on farms and uh, we, we apologise for that and, and, and commiserate with you but we do need to talk about these issues if we're to try and reduce the, the rate of casualties. Jim Hall, two of the biggest cohorts uh, that are most impacted by farm accidents, the, the pre-adults and older adults. Now, this is not what Tom Began was talking about earlier. This is not a, a you know a, 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 a building site. These are family businesses where everyone gets involved and everyone is raised on a farm. What can we do though within the parameters of that uh, to 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 lower those figures? I suppose, Matt, um, and look, thanks, thanks for having me on on this topic. Um, it's uh, first of all, each one of us, and and I, in my own role at home as a farmer, I mean, we have a duty of care to everybody around us. So, I mean, we have to make sure that, and you know, as 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 contrived as this sounds, but we have to make sure that the younger generation are safe, which is probably easier to do. Like you can put up, as we see in many farmyards, safe play areas and that kind of thing. But the older generation are probably a bigger challenge in terms of they've been doing it all their lives, you know, and they're used to working with stock and they're used to tractors being around. However, they're not as fast on their feet as they used to be. 
they mightn't be as spatially aware and they mightn't be as aware of, of tractors and how, how fast machinery move and and quite often in a lot of cases the older generation their hearing mightn't be as good as it was so they mightn't actually hear that machine and machines are getting quieter newer machines are getting quieter nowadays anyway so I mean this is about and look at I mean, I mean Tom alluded to the um, to the building trade or the building the construction profession and there was a change of practice and a change of mindset and, and I think that's probably where we need to go and like I mean we do need to be prepared to you know say to contractors when they come around the yard that just be aware there's an elderly pensioner going around the yard you know tell the tractor drivers tell the man in the pit just be careful you know because it's it's it'd be awful unfortunate afterwards to say if only I had do you know and I mean near misses are near misses but these things happen and the stats are not good and Tom uh, read them out there but the stats in terms and particularly in terms of older people they shouldn't be happening but but you're 100% right the family farm is the family farm and within that there's often three generations circulating around the yard and like you know and like the health and safety professionals would say that you know a child shouldn't be around the yard an elderly pensioner shouldn't be around the yard however like we work on family farms we have the next generation with us I mean I had my son and daughter going around with us since they were you know four or five in the jeep in the tractor even though that's not acceptable nowadays but you know it's and that's what happens and you bring them off when you're moving stock and I suppose you're trying to develop that love of farming in them as well you know and that's the important piece because all any of us want is for the next generation to take it on but it's important that you, you're as a member uh, it was said to me like you kind of ask yourself like, what could go wrong here like and if you're moving stock you just make sure that you know if, if something happens if they turn a way to get out of the way and that's quite often and cattle do stupid stuff as we all know and um and I suppose it's to kind of foresee it if possible and sometimes accidents are accidents and sometimes accidents are preventable and I, it's, it's change of practice and change of mindset but I mean Tom alluded to the fact there like tiredness and stress and I, and I suppose it is important and the minister said about excuses it is important we don't find excuses right but it's also important that we understand that as farmers we're busy people um, and stress if you're stressed you're tired if you're tired you're not thinking straight and you can take shortcuts and you can do stuff that if you stood back and thought about it I mean we all make like if you're tired you probably don't make the same decisions that you make if you were fully coherent so I think that's important as well but look at the figures are make for grim reading the last thing we want is for HSA to be coming in and you know clamping down and saying okay and putting legislation in place to prevent us carrying out our duties but you know we need to be careful that we don't allow that situation to develop you know um, so I mean you said there at the outset uh, I mean if, if the, like the loss of a child in any setting in a farm or a road accident is just it's an unimaginable experience I'd imagine that you know that, that no one should have to go through if it happens in your own farm Every time you open that back door, it's there. And that's something that we need to make sure doesn't happen. Tom Began, uh, what Jim said there about the, the older cohort, the pensioner, as he described them, um, often an indispensable part of the business. The, 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 those, apart from anything else now, they're gophers. Um, I almost said we, but I'm getting there. Don't worry about that. But you're able to look at it from, from, from a bit of a distance, a bit more objectively. But you see the conundrum. 100% uh, Matt and uh, farming is a small family business uh, and it's it's a workplace but it's also the family home so we have to find that sweet spot between 
not scaring kids and not scaring the elderly that they feel they're sort of imposers or imposters in a, in a workplace, but rather there is a role, but with different types of controls or constraints. And children need to know, and the best way to know is to experience. The cattle being fed, the cattle being mm-hmm. brought in, put on the crush, being vaccinated, being tested, whatever whatever it is, going out on the crops and seeing how they're spread and how they germinate. And you're educating them as you go along to say, here's the seed going in, and you can take them through it in an educational sense. But you also intersperse that, we won't do this, and if you see Daddy doing that, give out to him. And have a conversation about this, because in a workplace per se, where people come in and clock in and clock out, there's a supervisor, the farmer, there is the workers, the family, there may be contractors, um, there's rules and regulations, but in this context, because it's family, we discuss and we're in it together. So, uh, you know, grandparents now, as I know myself, we're delighted to play a role in, in childcare or support in whatever way you can in that, that sense. And farming is no different. And kids, we would hope, uh, going through school, will get a love of, of rural Ireland and the farming and the allied professions associated with farming. Uh, and that's what we have to do. So it's about farmers, and I think they have. There's nobody that I ever met uh, in farming that says, I don't give a hoot, I'll do it whatever way is the the cheapest and the quickest. They want to do it right, but as Jim has said, other factors come into play. That pushes you into a position that when you look back in time, say, Jesus, I was lucky with that, Mm. or that was a close one, I got away with it. The thing is, to make the commitment that I'm not going to do it again, and the only way to make sure that is they have is that if you have people with you in the family who are looking out for you, when they say something, you won't take it as an affront. You'll say, thank you. I wasn't thinking of that. Mm. And that's what we need to do. So there's things, and we know the major areas where people are caught. Like, slurry is a big one. Like, you know, you'll be, if, if, if you're agitating slurry and you're on top of it and you have no ventilation, you'll be dead in seconds. And so will animals be dead. So farmers know that. So we have to take reasonable precautions. That there's, there's air, there's open, you stay away for half an hour, you don't stand over, and you make sure no one can get in, for starters. Yeah. And the same thing then when you put on the, the, the tank or whatever it is, is the PTO right? Is there brakes on the tanker? You know, simple things like that. And you can be doing that while the thing is filling. So it's not as if we're going to, you're going to lose a half a day's work mm. on it. So these are the simple things. And I'd ask the farmers now in between the showers when it's raining, look around and say, when the winter comes, is there any place here I need a few lights? Is there any place here that floods? Could I dig a, a sinkhole or what, what can I do? Is the rainwater going to the right place? These are all things. Is there a gate that I hit with the whatever and is hanging off? Can, is now the time to fix it? And I'm delighted. I remember when I was in the, in the, in the, in the HSA, we, we campaigned hard with limited success then, but I'm glad it's coming out now, where there's grants to farmers to help them do what they have to do. The attitude back then was, well, why would we pay someone to do what they're legally obliged to do? Thankfully, we've moved on from that, yeah. and we'll see the reason. We, we accept the reality. And, the and, and, and we heard the minister mention those kind of refinements of yeah. the model, such as support for helmets and Correct. making sure that all PTO covers are, are, are properly um, functioning and coupled. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So you, you would suggest, in summary, that it's a refinement of the model uh, we, we need, not a, a, an abandonment of the family I, farm model. I would say we put the family farm at the centre of this. I would say that in most farms, we have a chat. Mm. about what's, it, what's the year going to be like. Well, in having that, can we say, 
well Jezlog we have to find a few pounds to do this because that door, that door is dangerous it'll hang off of the wind through the wind catches it'll kill someone type of thing it's, what does it look like? It's simple things as well and, and actually Matt I'm glad you reminded me to, uh, about the importance of the pensioner or are we getting dirty looks at the breakfast table in the morning because they do the world of work that if I <laughs> if he didn't do it I'd be a very very busy man so look at they are an important cog in the wheel but there's simple stuff like I see my own father at home like we bought him a high-vis jacket you know, for, for the winter. So when he's out around the yard, if you're on a machine, you'll always spot him out of the corner of your eye. You know, and it's it's just little things like that. But but Tom touched on something there and it's something that we try to implement in our own farm. It's just kinda of, I and I look at and I'm and I'm far from perfect. It's just best practice. If you need earmuffs doing a certain job put them on because if you don't the next generation certainly won't copy all, all Tom needs now is one of those flashing lights on his head and oh I know <laughs> <laughs> sorry Tom couldn't resist that not Tom Began now Tom Tom Mulhall obviously <laughs> we'll return for a specific issue on uh, farm safety uh, in terms of felling trees later on but I, I, I want to hit a couple of points with you Jim in, in reflecting on some of the other issues <clears throat> that uh, Martin Hayden mentioned one uh, you have a major farm rally farmer rally happening mm. tomorrow night. We have indeed, Matt, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to highlight it to your to your listeners. So, look at, this is, I mean, this is following on from last band, last Thursday in Bandon, they had a kind of a rally for farmers just to highlight the importance of the importance of, you know, what the derogation actually means uh, to farmers down that part of the country, the nitrates derogation, sorry. The Minister alluded to it in his, in his, in his remarks there when I was listening in. I mean, it's this is not a dairy farmer issue. This is an issue that affects all farmers. And you, you, I mean, you highlighted this in your in your preamble when you were talking to the when you questioned the minister. I mean, it is like if it creates market disruption, it means that somebody, you know, does, does so. Part of the climate action plan, I suppose, that the minister announced last year was an increase in tillage area. This has fundamentally failed because the nitrates plan has short circuited that that dairy farmers in a quest to try and keep their stocking rates. You know, our rented land, but but just to go to what we're at last night, we're, I suppose there's two messages in the rally t- tomorrow night. Firstly, we're trying to highlight the importance of agriculture to the rural and the South Leinster economy because we're huge contributors. Tyrone have done studies. I mean, the Mart. I mean, George comes in here every week, and there's huge money being paid out from local businesses generated by farmers and we're, I mean and every penny of that is spent locally and this is something that we're trying to highlight and we're inviting all local traders and agribusiness to partake in tomorrow night's uh, tractor cade before it the second piece is we're trying to highlight the importance of the derogation uh, stays at 250 and I know the Minister kind of said we're the only ones in Europe and the whole lot but that's a completely separate discussion different land use in Ireland so the importance of retaining the nitrates action plan and maintaining the derogation at 250 is absolutely crucial because two things are going to happen if we don't. Herd sizes are going to get smaller, uh, which will result in less money spent locally. And secondly, this market disruption will continue. So dry stock farmers and tillage farmers will be in a very tough competition against dairy farmers. We're all in this together. Where is it beginning? Where is it ending? And what time? Okay, it's uh, it's starting at um, it's starting at half seven in Killian Hill. There's a, a there's a, a, a tractor cade actually from my own farm in Danville. Um, which anyone that wants to take part in that will have to be with their tractor or their commercial vehicle on my farm. It, the details are on the IFA website. At seven o'clock, we'll be leaving shortly before half seven from our farm, making the journey across the ring road to be in the mart uh, for 7.30-ish. We're appealing to as many people and as many farm families as possible, Matt, to turn up and just show their support and we're looking for 
I mean, to strengthen numbers. And we need to send a strong message to Minister Hayden and Minister McConnell and everyone in government that, like, if the chokers, like, people are under pressure this part of the country, we've seen continuous cuts and reductions, and that's all having an effect. I mean, we talked about mental health. It's There's a challenge there, Matt, and people are struggling. Jim, thank you very much for coming in tonight. Tom Began also, uh, thank you very much for highlighting a, a hugely important, probably the most important issue uh, for farming, despite all the importance of all the other issues. Uh, we're back after the break uh, talking about best practice for felling trees. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. Given the fact that there are thousands upon thousands of ash trees that have succumbed to ash dieback disease and uh, many more will die over the coming years, it's hugely important that any dangerous trees can be removed, particularly from roadsides or near dwellings and so on. I got a chance to speak to Paddy Bruton about the fact that there are allowances where you can cut down a tree without a license. What are, what, what are those circumstances, Paddy? Yeah, good evening, Matt, and, and thanks for having me on. Always good to be on. I suppose I, I'll give a bit, of, a bit of background on it, Matt. The new forestry programme came in in 2014, and in that it brought in situations where you don't need a licence to fell trees. And there are two particular circumstances or, or avenues, right? So the first one that you've raised there is where you have dead, dying, or indeed now at this stage, rotten ash trees close to the road. So one of the scenarios where you don't need a license is in a situation where the tree is outside of a forest, right? So it's on a farm holding or outside of a forest within 10 metres of a public road where the owner believes or has formed an opinion that the tree is dangerous to persons using the public road. So in those situations, you do not need a license to fill those trees. And that's that's crystal clear in the legislation. That also applies where you might have, some people might have got a grant for planning permission for a house. And if that grant of planning permission includes the felling of trees, then you don't need a felling license either. The other one that I'd like to touch on, Matt, which is a slightly different scenario, is take the example of the people that planted Christmas trees years ago. And the Christmas trees now are over mature, never going to be used for Christmas trees, and probably, to be fair, a waste of ground. Those areas also do not need a felling licence. And there's a very clear distinction here that they do not need a felling licence, but you must notify the department that you're going to fell these trees. So we've done a large amount of this work recently, Matt. And the good thing for the owners of those areas of overmature Christmas trees, they can revert that land to agricultural usage, which is important now, particularly with nitrates and the need to get more land into the system. Or they can apply for the afforestation grant and premium to plant that land and get the afforestation grant and premium on it. So there is, a, there is a, a significant area out there of people who took the decision to plant Christmas trees, particularly under a scheme that was operating years ago, which I, I think they'd prefer if they never took now at this stage. So, But yes, Matt, on your question on the ash, on the trees impacted by ash, within 10 metres of a public road, if the owner believes they're dangerous, you do not need a felling licence to knock those trees. No, particularly it being uh, Farm Safety Week, and we've already been uh, chatting on the subject earlier in the programme, it's it's not for everyone to go with the chainsaw and willy-nilly cut down a tree. You you need professionals there. Well, Matt, this is seriously dangerous. Everybody needs to look at these ash trees and realise that these are dead, dying or rotten from the top down. So we know from harvesting these trees that once you start to cut these trees at the base, an absolute torrent of branches comes down on top of you from the top of the tree. 
So nobody should go near these trees with a chainsaw. Absolutely nobody should go near. These need to be cut from the top down with professionals involved on a tree surgery basis. No, it is very expensive. But is it as expensive as these trees coming down in the middle of winter on top of somebody on a public road? It is a serious health and safety risk at this stage, Matt. But, Matt, this is a national issue. There is ash all over the country, adjoining county roads. It is a serious national issue at this point and not to be taken lightly. Yeah, and we'll become more so on the years ahead. Paddy can't let you go. You're a Galway man. Uh, you've seen Limerick from two sides. You've seen yeah. Kenny. What do you think is going to happen Sunday? What do I think is going to happen Sunday? I think it's going to be a whale of a game. That's the first thing, I think. And I suppose it's the fickleness of the hurling at the moment, isn't it? Because I'm a Galway man and will be. But Galway could have been Leinster champions and came within literally a kick of a ball of being Leinster champions. And if that had to happen, we'd have already had the Kilkenny-Limerick game and we we could have had a Kilkenny-Galway. We'll never know. So uh, I think it'll be a whale of a game. Disappointed that Galway aren't there, but we'll be down in the black and amber for the weekend, Matt, even though we'll be away, we'll be down at the Black and Amber and hoping that Kilkenny gets it across the line. Yeah, well, of course, you're honorary Leinster people now oh, uh, absolutely, for, for the Matt. purpose of hurling. <laughs> absolutely, Matt. All right, looking forward to it. All right, thanks very much, Paddy. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, straight over to Tullow for Eric Driver's sheep report. Not a large sale today in Tullow with over uh, 1,800 sheep on offer and looking to the trade there, a possible easier trade than we would have reported on last week, but uh, still a good steady base there for those well-fleshed factory and butcher type lambs. Looking to some prices then, those lambs over 50 kilos today selling there from the mid 160s up to 174 and 5. Best price so far there today being 52 kilos there at 181. But overall, a good, lively trade there for the well-fleshed type lambs. Back to the factory type lambs here, and they would have sold there them 44 to 46 kilos. They're selling in the region there from the mid 140s up to 160. And again, a differential in price there, but also in quality of lamb on offer. While we would see the lighter store offerings here, then numbers starting to expand in this cla- these classes, and they're selling in the region there from uh, 32 and 3 kilos, selling there from mid 80s up to 95 and 6, one particular lot there, 32 kilos, making 98 euros, with the higher 30 kilo lambs breaking into 100, 110 euros there per, uh, per head. Cash shows no great change there, they're selling there from 100. Uh, and 110 up to 130 and 40 euro there per head for the store type yo with the heavy yo's all out to a tops of 220 euro and the hoggets yo trade here good lively trade hoggets they're selling from 180 up to 220 there the type on size and quality thank you the farm show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com KCLR Mart Report Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart Serving the farming community for over 60 years Tom Began and Jim Mulhall have taken their leave and George joins us for the Livestock Report Yes indeed Matt and a similar size sale to last week uh, today in Kilkenny 650 on offer less cows on offer but more bullocks and also more uh, heavy bullocks on offer today in Kilkenny Top call there was uh, 24.90 for a Belgian blue bullock weighing in at 8.70 kilo So the 600 kilo plus bullocks they range from 2.10 to 3.15 euro per kilo that's 1,000 euro to 24.90 per head or an average price of seventeen twenty five to six hundred kilo bullock from two o five to three twenty five per kilo eleven hundred euro to eighteen fifty per head an average price there of fourteen ten one seventy to uh, three forty five per kilo would cover the four to five hundred kilo bullock or seven fifty to fourteen seventy per head to average price of eleven hundred euro with the under four hundred kilo from one eighty to three sixty per kilo 
from 400 euro to 1200 euro per head to average price there of 730. Cold cows, uh, smaller numbers on offer today, 110 to 225 per kilo for the Frisians with the continentals from 140 to 265 per kilo. Beef heifers, uh, price here from 240 to 305 per kilo. That's uh, 1500 euro to 1930 per head. Four store heifers from uh, 235 to 285 per kilo. That's 950 to 1460 per head with the lighter types uh, from a price range of 180 to 3 euro per kilo or from 500 euro to 1080 per head. The lighter stores averaging at 730 with the forward stores averaging at 1220. So uh, not a bad considering what's going on in the trade, but I must say the Frisian cattle are definitely more difficult to sell. Uh, two euro per kilo is a good price at the moment, with the heavy ones perhaps getting at 230, 235 per kilo. But uh, a definite lull. And of course, the confidence, I suppose, that was there a couple of weeks ago has been very much eroded or burst. <laughs> the bubble burst by the factories, quotes on a weekly uh, uh, decrease. Well, whatever about confidence being burst, uh, you'd have to say that it's diminished. And why wouldn't it be when you're looking at the the end state and that percolates back then to the to the to the buyers and bidders around the mart that's very true mind you matt uh, as you saw today quality cattle selling uh, some absolutely we'll say from fresher country some magnificent ah, i saw a couple of uh, abs- beautiful pens beautiful of cattle, uh, beautiful crosses and they range from 320 to 346 per kilo so quality is hopefully hopefully the men buying those cattle will be rewarded because they do look a picture and hopefully uh, they will get some returns on that. The sheep trade, a bigger sheep sale on Monday in Kilkenny, 750 on offer. A less of a demand there from the factories, uh, though the top call there is 185 euro for 62 kilo. But the butcher lambs in general, they range from 155 to 185 euro per head. Factory lambs, the price range there from one. Uh, 28 to 155 per head and the cull use from 66 to 195 euro per head. So a little bit of a, 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 a backward trend there on the sheep front. Monday sheep sale, 10.15, calves at 1pm. And we have calves on offer. So if you have some calves, please let us know because there's quite a number of people still, would you believe, looking for quality calves. So if you have them, ring the mark tomorrow, Friday, so we can inform our buyers. Matt, I'm going to miss the All-Ireland, unfortunately. In one way, I'll be somewhere else. I'll be in Rath Downey at the Ossery Show, which is always a great show on Sunday next. We've committed to that, so we'll go for it, not knowing the Kilkenny hurlers, but you said to me last March that Kilkenny would be there. You're some predictor. Uh, so, um, uh, unfortunately, but may I say at this stage, Mikey Butler, the only farming connection, I think, we're, we're thinking of all the times we had the Paddy Penders uh, on on the team. We had the uh, Dick O'Hara's. We had, oh, they're, they're, they're nameless. Pad, Dylan, you name them, they're all great farmers uh, and good hurlers. The Hendersons, of course, uh, and, and, and that, uh, and of course, John Power, we have, can't believe the uh, John Power. All those men, uh, Noel Hickey, all farmers in their own, but the game has so, gone so Call it professional, Matt, that farmers are unable to give it the time required. Absolutely, I had hoped. I had hoped to 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 play a segment of a conversation I had with Jim Bergen last night about um, sponsorship, the longest running sponsorship of any sport in Ireland, uh, Tierlan Glanbia. But listen, enough and anon, we'll talk about it another time. Yeah, Jim might get his tickets next year. Hopefully, we'll be celebrating. My thanks to everyone who was involved tonight, including Mar- including obviously Martin, who produced and engineered. For me, Matt O'Keefe. Until next week, farm well, farm safely. Good night and goodbye.
The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com.